0: get to the Penn State Blitz and the Penn State Blitz podcast. I'm Bob Flounders, joined as always by Greg Pickle. We're almost out of July. Hopefully, we'll be seeing some football football news soon. We have a lot of news to get to on this edition. We're going to talk about some recruiting. It's been a recent stretch of really positive news for the Penn State program. We're going to talk about the newest verbals in the fold. We're going to take a closer look at maybe what James Franklin and his staff are building both in the running back room and the tight end room. We're also going to talk about a season update, kind of where things stand as we take this with regard to Penn State season, when it may start, will it be pushed back, all that good stuff, Greg. And we're going to close with your favorite segment, as always, the Penn State Mailbag. So let's go. Okay, Greg, this is going to be a very recruiting-heavy segment and deservedly so penn state and james franklin have had some good news coming their way in the last i would say in the last couple of days i'll just tee you up what can you tell me about a wide receiver caden saunders and the big tight end jerry cross five days they've gotten them both what do you like about both of them
1: yeah good to talk with you bob yeah good to talk with you bob the one thing I would say, I would make a couple notes. Um, obviously, Penn State has had some not as good news at times in the recruiting class of 2021. We spent a couple of the podcasts since really May talking about some misses and some things that didn't work out and things along those lines. So, to see some good news is obviously a positive sign for James Franklin. Let's not forget this summer run, if you will, started with Jamari Budin, the class of 2021 linebacker out of Michigan, a four star. And then they pick up Caden Saunders. On Saturday, he's a four-star out of Westerville, Ohio. Had a lot of offers, not one from Ohio State. Not sure why that is, but still a really good player. I think Penn State probably sold him on being a KJ Hamler clone, which was certainly, I'm sure, an attractive thing for him to hear. And he's a good get. Now they move on to you know, Jerry Cross, a four-star tight end out of Wisconsin. He spurns the end-state Badgers, picks Penn State. He, too, had a handful of Big Ten offers to choose from besides the Lions and Badgers so really a good start for the Lions here especially when there was a lot of concern from some fans that Penn State was seemingly picking up too many 3 stars in the class of 2021 but to start the 2022 group with four stars is obviously a very positive sign for James Franklin and Co and we'll see what's next down the road but uh they're uh, obviously happy to start off the way they did here over the last week yeah absolutely good
0: news for Penn State and I think Some veteran Penn State football fans, or maybe some older Penn State fans, always associate Penn State, the tradition of Penn State, and the linebacker position. Linebacker U, they've had some great, great linebackers dating back to the 60s, right up to the present with Micah Parsons. There's a lot of buzz about sophomore Brandon Smith, Greg, and what he might do this year. But if you look at some other positions, most notably the running back position, with who they have on the roster this year and what Jay Sider has been able to do recruiting the position, especially in Florida, in the South. And also the tight end position with what they've been able to do the last couple of years with the tight end position. And also kind of just dating back a little bit to guys like Adam Brenneman and Mike Kosicki. Tyler Bowen, who kind of handles the tight end recruiting. Does a pretty impressive job as well. What are you more impressed with in the recent years? Is it the running back recruitment or is it the tight end recruitment? And are we talking enough about Tyler Bowen?
1: Yeah, there was a reason I put this topic on here, Bob, and you just spelled it out pretty much perfectly. You know, that's what I do. Yes, no question. j Wan Slater and the running back production of late has received a lot of attention and clearly rightly so. Obviously, Penn State's been. Very prolific in that regard, Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, Journey Brown, Noah Kane, Devin Ford. We could go on and on. And so that obviously receives a lot of attention with good reason. But Tyler Bowen is considered as one of the uh, top rising stars in the college football assistant coaching ranks. He's developed plenty of talent at the tight end spot, including All American Pat Fryermuth, and he's been recruiting. They now have four. Now, obviously, Jerry Cross has to sign on the dotted line still, but. If he does, they would have landed four four four-star tight ends in the last five classes, which isn't something Penn State really was doing before James Franklin got here, and now certainly that Tyler Bowens got here, he's been able to reinforce that with Brenton Strange, with Theo Johnson, obviously Zach Koontz was a four-star as well. So, I mean, they have been doing a really nice job of getting guys in, and Ricky Ronnie was a part of that, too, some as a tight ends coach before uh, Bowen got here, but uh, they've done a nice job, Bob, uh, at that position, too. I think it's maybe a little bit underlooked, but they have a lot to sell in terms of past production and, and development for the NFL at that position, just like they do at running back. So it's kind of an interesting discussion, especially in late July here, when we may or may not be running out of topics to
0: touch on at this point, <laughs> with no Big yeah. Ten media days. I think in the, in the short term, it's hard to get past the running back room for 2020 which you mentioned Journey Brown and Noah Kane and Devin Ford, because Holmes. I know they, they are really stockpiling position. I don't know that there's many more impressive running back rooms in 2020 from top to bottom. It's been impressive to watch, but you're right in two years, or maybe next year, because you, you'd have to think, Greg, that maybe if Pat Frymuth uh, has a healthy, productive 2020 season, and we've probably seen the last of him, it'll be interesting to see how the tight end room looks in a couple of years with uh, some of the guys you mentioned. But it sure looks like Penn State is positioning themselves to be very good at that position for the next four or five years. And just bear in mind that James Franklin has, I think, any this is a selling point, they really do want to play a lot of two tight end sets because of the versatility and the problems that it causes for the defense. So I think when you recruit multiple tight ends, that's an easy pitch to make. Look, at, we want to do this. We did it with Pat and Nick Bowers last year. We're going to do it with Pat and a couple other guys this year. It's going to be more than one tight end that plays in our offense. So I think that helps the cause as well. So let's turn the page to the current season. But before we do that, Greg, please remind our audience how they can give us six and seven star ratings. Tell us what we're doing well at with regard to the Penn State Blitz and the Penn State Blitz podcast. and also what we we can get better at. We're about halfway through the show, so uh, I'll leave it to you. Yeah, the Penlife Penn
1: State Blitz podcast rolls on despite the fact that we record on a Wednesday. We still don't know when the Big Ten's going to release its schedule. We still don't know really anything about when the college football season is going to start. We can speculate, and we'll speculate here in a second. But first, the Penlife Penn State Blitz podcast can be found every Thursday on apple google spotify or wherever you get your penn state audio you can also like rate and subscribe please do let us know what you like what you don't like what you want to hear us talk about and if you're watching the video version pennlive.com slash all penn state you can find everything you need there from past blitz episodes to video from beaver stadium and post game news conferences and everything else bob so including you and dave jones who we got to get together on one of these things here before long so you two can banter back and forth as you uh so enjoy doing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I haven't talked to Jonesy in a while. I think we did a Zoom with him in the spring, but it's been a while. I see he's been busy writing some other things. His ode to uh, the restart of baseball was one of them. Uh, But we're here to talk about Penn State football and Penn State recruiting. So yeah, maybe in August, now that we're getting closer to the proposed start, maybe the possible start, probably a better word, of football, we're going to have to start Looping him, and so Greg, it's as we talk about this now. We're approaching the noon hour, or close to it, on Wednesday, and if we were betting men, and we most certainly you and I are, I mean, chances are, no matter what we say about this next segment, there's probably going to be some news about the season in the next 48 hours that kind of probably overshadows, I guess, what we're about to say. But we're as it stands now, we don't have, uh, as we talk about this any news on the Big Ten season or Penn State's schedule. Just to reset it, they were originally going to play open their season September 5th against Kent State, part of a three-game non-conference schedule that also included a road date at Virginia Tech that I know the fan base was really looking forward to. But earlier in July, with the coronavirus pandemic, still a serious major issue. And really, just there, there's a lot of cases, obviously. There's a lot of surging. That's a big word. It's the, the Big Ten kind of had to pull back, and they said, look, we're going to eliminate the non-conference games for our programs. We're just going to have a Big Ten schedule only, whether it's 10 games, 9 games, 8 games, whatever that is. They're still kind of planning and plotting, and they're also probably looking around just to see where we are kind of as a country with regard to handling the virus. And I think they're, very, they're being cautious, obviously, Greg, and they should be, but... If we had to guess, make an educated guess about two things, how long the season might be and when it would start, where are you on kind of both those topics?
1: Yeah, you know, obviously I think we'll know more and I wanted to take a couple days off. So that's why we recorded before we had the information, Bob, so you can blame me for this. You know, the ACC is going to meet, or they're supposed to meet later Wednesday and discuss what their schedule could look like. I think that could be very telling in terms of what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 do. So it feels like at this point, Bob, everybody just wants to kick the can down the road and hope for some miracle to appear or some magic to happen. And obviously, we're rooting for that. We want there to be a season, a safe and healthy season, of course. But they have to make a decision at some point. You know, you had pointed out the article from uh, Tom Dienert, formerly of Big Ten Network, and now works for uh, the Purdue Rivals site before we started. And I thought the way that story started was perfect with a Big Ten coach saying, hopefully we find out a schedule by Friday because we kind of start camp in a week and we need to know if all the preparations we've done for the, the Big Ten teams that were on our schedule is worth it or not, or if we have to Scrap a quarter or half of that and start over preparing for new teams. So uh, they have to make a decision here at some point. And if it's to push the season back, that's fine. But then they're going to have to push camp start dates back too. So my gut, Bob, tells me that uh we're not going to see a Big Ten football game on September 5th. I really hope I'm wrong, but it, it just feels like, and maybe you disagree, but it just feels like we're leaning toward a pushback of the start of the season at this point.
0: Yeah, especially Greg, since as we talk about this, there are a couple of, there's a, at least two that I know of. There's a couple of Big Ten, I think the Big Ten East programs that are on pause right now because of, I think, positive tests. So there's, we're not sure when they can restart. So September 5th, even though it is six, five weeks away, it sounds like it's a long period of time. But it really, when a couple of programs have kind of had to hit the pause button, you just wonder why it would make sense to not just move it back at least a couple of weeks. I, I just think that that's the way to go. I thought that maybe you would see a scenario where maybe some teams would appear on Penn State's schedule more than once, almost like a home and home to kind of cut down on travel. But even that, you know, Rutgers is one of the programs that's having issues right now, and that's that's a fairly short trip for Penn State. But there's no point playing them if they're having issues with positive tests. So I just don't know. I, there's so many uncertainties with kind of building a schedule around the virus and safety protocols and positive tests and quarantines that I'm with you. I think it's going to have to be at the best case. It's going to have to be a couple weeks back and it might not be 10 games. It might be eight, but I just think that safety gets going to have to prevail over any other line of thinking and maybe they will follow the lead of some other conferences, but the Big Ten's always, got, they've also, Greg, always kind of done things. They've always kind of been ahead of the curve, whether it's been planning or it's their own network, the Big Ten network, or they were one of the first conferences to announce they were going to a conference-only schedule. They're more leaders than followers. I'm not necessarily sure that they would, they would kind of follow the ACC if they didn't agree with what the ACC was doing. So we'll wait and see. I, I, I do think that maybe by the end of this week, there's a chance there's going to be an update, but I also wouldn't be surprised with a couple of programs struggling with some testing and some, and some quarantining that they push it back another week. I still think they have a little bit of time. We'll see. But let's close this thing down with the Penn State mailbag, or it could be the Big Ten mailbag, or it could be Greg's horse racing betting mailbag. What do you have for me this week, Greg?
1: Yeah, don't forget, PennLive.com slash football. You can find the latest updates if they come out before, during, or after we tape this podcast. All right, mailbag question number one, Bob. If you were in charge and you had to be James Franklin for a day and figure out how to run a practice during all of this, how would you do it? What would be the big keys for you? There's been this talk about they're going to do first and third stringers and second and fourth stringers. Would you do that or would you do something different?
0: I mean, I can understand, certainly understand the logic about trying to separate the first and second teams in the event that the virus rears its ugly head and there's a, there's, a, there's, there's. Some significant positive testing with regard to it. I I understand the thought there, but just continuity uh, reps. How do you how do you have physical pad practice? I mean, it is a daunting daunting task. I just don't know. I don't know how. I don't know if there is really a right way. I think it's if you're James, maybe you just try and make it the safest way possible. He's always been a guy since he's been here, Greg. That he's he's leaned he he's he's real big on kind of leaning on sounding boards. If he trusts the advice, he's talked about trusting the science. I think he's always talking to the medical experts. I, I'm sure that every step James is trying to take forward is with common sense, you know, medical expert guidance in mind. But yeah, it is. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how the NFL is going to do it. I'm pretty sure that they're pursuing very cautiously. But I don't know that there is a right answer to that question. I just know he's going to put safety first.
1: 30 seconds or less, Bob. Ohio State announced it will allow 21,000 fans into Ohio Stadium. Will Penn State have more than that, less than that, or the same amount of that if fans are allowed at Beaver Stadium and if there is a season this fall?
0: Yeah, I'll be curious to see if th- that's what Ohio State has announced now, but things change in a hurry with regard to the pandemic. I think that's ambitious on Ohio State's end. I, I-, I still think at the end of the day, it might be the prudent thing might just be to try and play this season without fans, and I know that sounds terrible, but hey, if you're a fan do you really want to go to the game, wouldn't you rather enjoy it in the safety of your own home around people that you know are safe so to me, I just think that I think that you're you're asking for trouble. I think the important thing is if you want to play the season, maybe the safest thing would be to do it without fans at this at this point I think if you no matter how safe you are if you if you throw twenty thousand new people. Into the environment I think you're just putting The season at risk I wouldn't be surprised Remember this is the same Ohio State program That was hoping for like Half the stadium full So this is where it stands now But I could see that changing I I I think that maybe No fans makes the most sense I'm taking the under as well Bob Alright that's it